Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Uncommon Ground Podcast. This is Jay Reed, and we're doing a pop-up podcast real quick. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm in Seattle. Uh, I got, I got. It's, since it's fly-out season, I got, uh, I got my my presence was requested in, on the West Coast, and I'm honored to to be sitting across the table from this great man, um, a good friend of mine, a father to many. Uh, an, an Abraham to a lot of people. He's uh, he's leading and guiding a path um, that's going to be that's going to be marked out, and uh, and he's outlining the steps for a bunch of generations following. I'm sitting next to the man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Smith. What's uh, up, Jay? He is the executive director for Cities United. Um, but I'll stop there and I'll let him introduce himself. No, that's good, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Anthony Smith, executive director of Cities United uh, out of Louisville, Kentucky. It's a national organization uh, working with mayors across the country. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just excited to be with you, man, and looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, I first met Anthony actually through a Google chat. Um, I'm, I'm a part of an organization called Cities United. Um and I'm not really sure what my title is. I don't think any of us really have titles except for Anthony. <laughs> um, we're all just kind of working um, and creating a better environment for young African American men in the in in our in, well through our space. Um, so through through my work with my brother's keeper, I was able to get involved with Cities United on the planning side for a national convening in a national convention where we interacted with mayors and city leads and different people that are doing work on different levels to improve conditions for young African-American men. And uh, in that work, Cities United was still a baby, so they didn't have an executive director um, when we first met. And then afterwards, um, some black man with a beard <laughs> showed, up in, showed up in the Google chat. And um, he, 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 they, they gave him the reins. And from, from what I've seen over the last almost year is that, you know, we've been really doing a lot of great work and it's because of Anthony Smith. Yeah. Um, so tell the people a little bit about yourself. Give them your background. How did you get into the space of operating to create conditions for uh, young African-American men? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and so, but most of that, I just want to do a little quick correction on the great work that's been going on. It's, uh, you know, I get to lead the work, but I do it with a lot of cool people across the country, including UJ. So, I mean, it's like, you know, the work gets done because of the people around and the passion, right? I just get to help craft the narrative. So, yeah, so I've been at Cities United now since November of last year. Uh, but, man, you know, I think, you know, this journey to get here to Cities United is kind of one of those things that, you know, you never know where you're going to end up. Right. But you've got this vision and purpose and, mm -hmm. you, and you know when you're at the right place. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, uh, I tell folks all the time and uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. A lot of folks mm -hmm. don't know Louisville, but it's a great town, a great <laughs> city. Uh, and You know, I tell folks to come visit. Mm -hmm. You're going to love it. You'll fall in love and you'll be back. Uh, but I grew up uh, in uh, one of our most challenging neighborhoods, right? So it wasn't too bad, but it was one of those neighborhoods that if you uh, if you don't have the right support, you can get caught up, right? You can get caught up in stuff. So I uh, ended up dropping out of high school. Uh, you know, and I tell folks all the time, the only reason I think I really went out and got my GED uh, is because I was uh, working at Chuck E. Cheese at the time. It was my first job. Uh, and 
I wanted to become a manager, an assistant manager, and you couldn't unless you had your high school diploma or your GED. So I had to go get that GED, man. So, wow. <laughs> and then I got my GED, but I always knew I wanted to go to college, right? It's just mm. that from sixth grade through 12th grade, I just didn't feel a part of the school system, right? So, you know, that push out that we all go through. Yeah. Or a lot of us go through, not all of us, but, mm. you know, young black men have been dropping out of school and been pushed out of school for a long time. Right. We now want to call it an epidemic, but it's been happening since school systems were being in place, right? right? One, we couldn't go in, and then once we ran, they didn't want us in, <laughs> so we were pushed out. Right. So I had that same kind of syndrome, man, but I decided to go community college. Took me seven years to get my uh, my college degree. Mm. Uh, graduated when I was about 27, so I was an old kid, on, I was an old cat on college campus. Yeah. Uh, so got a late start, right? My first job was at child support. Mm-hmm. I did paternity establishment. So I was the cat that sent out the letter that says, you've been named the baby's daddy, mm. what's your answer? It's either yes or no. If it was no, you had to come in and take a paternity test. If it was yes, you had to come in and fill out the paperwork. Yeah. So that was my job. But I, while I was there, man, I always thought I wanted to go to law school. Mm. Uh, but I started talking to some of the attorneys and I started seeing the day-to-day grind of a law out of attorney. And that's a different, you know, that's a different perspective, right? So yeah. I decided that was not for me. Uh, but I also knew that my, and this purpose and vision came over me, uh, it's like you need to be working with young men and young black men who are in the same predicament you are and helping them get back on track mm. where you were when you was coming up, right? So right. there was this opportunity. I looked in the paper. So after I said that and I realized what my vision was, about a two or three months later, there was this job in the paper that says a new program coming to town, Project Empower, we need recruiters, mm-hmm. right? We need folks to be going out in neighborhoods and recruiting kids 14 to 24 to join these program. Mm-hmm. So I applied. Never do anything about that kind of work. Got in. <laughs> uh, and then that just started building my way up, man, right? So, you know, when you get in, you're excited to be in a space. Mm-hmm. You know that's your vision. You don't know what your, you know, you know your purpose, but you don't know how to maneuver through it. But you get a spot, so you go all out. Right. And I've always went all out, man. And since then, it's just been this progression. Recruitment, case manager, case manager, manager uh, supervisor. Mm-hmm. That grant goes away. Somebody saw you from that. Say, come work with us here. Yeah. Help us open up this program. Uh, and then, you know, you're doing that program and you're happy there. Somebody calls you up and say, we got this new thing. <laughs> we think you'll be good for it. Right. So you do it for then you doing that. So went from youth programming to this organization that did community engagement. Right. right, so I directed the community outreach and engagement around education, employment, working with families in some of our challenged neighborhoods, helping them figure out how to get better mm-hmm. uh, access to program stuff, but then also just empowering them. Right, so we did leadership development, empowering mm-hmm. families to say you can you, you can create your own avenue. Uh, so I'm working there for a while, mm-hmm. and the mayor, and uh, you know we've got a we've got a pretty progressive mayor in Louisville. Uh, was dealing with some violence in the community, right? So we had a triple homicide. Wow. Yeah, it was one of the ones we, you know, the crazy thing about this triple homicide, right? We, we've we had triple homicides in Louisville before, right? But this mm. one shook us to our core because what happened was you had these two young cats who had been beefing with each other for years. Right. Finally roll up on the scene on each other, right? They both pull their guns, shoot each other. They die, which is, you know, we all seen that happen in our streets, right? So it Absolutely. It's crazy that it still does. But to us, it's sometimes the daily mm-hmm. ends is out of life, which it shouldn't be. Uh, but the crazy thing about this is that then the two girlfriends show up on the scene. They start beefing. One of them pulls a gun out and shoots the other one in the head while the police is on the scene. 
while the media's on the scene. Ugh. Right? So you got this whole thing that just shook up the world. Right. So after that, the mayor creates this new office, right? And it's uh, called the Director for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods, mm-hmm. where he needs somebody to come in and coordinates all of his stuff. Right. I've never thought I would work in the mayor's office or the <laughs> government, right? High school dropout, yeah. knucklehead running the streets. So they give me this opportunity, right? And mm-hmm. the only reason I thought about it is because I had a friend working in there. She said, I'm looking for somebody to do this job. Are you interested in it? Right, so I'm like, let me think about that over the weekend, because I was loving what I was doing. Right, yeah. so it wasn't like I was looking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they like you. She think I think you can do this, right? So, went home, talked to my wife, talked to my mom. Those are my two confidence, and it's like you know, we think you should go for it, mm-hmm. right? So I go for it, uh, and it's the strangest interview, Jay. Right, I go in. <laughs> it's a seven week process. For right. the interview For the interview right And it was the only reason it was Is because this was high profile mm-hmm. The mayor had put it out there uh, When he was thinking about it His team kept telling him You don't have it in your budget to do this You can't do this Don't do it uh, But he said he wants it mm-hmm. Right So uh, I My first interview was with the mayor My would-be boss And a couple other people uh, And then I had to meet with the police chief Right I had to meet with the uh, Chief of staff And then I had to go back And meet with the mayor uh, And then I'm just Sitting waiting Waiting for them to say Yeah you got it Cause you yeah. know Once you're in the process You want it right The competitors <laughs> <laughs> Yeah right? Cause at yeah. first you're like Okay it's gonna be What it's gonna be right But then this process Started making me Really really want it More and more So I get that gig man And I do that for a while And that's where I actually get introduced To Cities United Okay but in the back of my head, so you know, when I told you I had this vision and purpose came that you got to go help young black men and boys, mm-hmm. none of my jobs had that title, right? but that was always my mission, mm-hmm. right? So when you take a job and you're trying to help a city create a, a violence prevention plan, an urban city, you know you're talking about making better outcomes for black men and boys. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's just I not saying like it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just not, it's just not really put out like that, right? So... Yeah. I get to spend time thinking about that. I get to work on national initiatives like the My Brothers Keepers, Cities United, uh, uh, Black Male Achievement with the Campaign for Black Male Achievement with Sean Dove and his team. Uh, and I just get exposure, right? And I, and I get to be in spaces that nobody ever thought I would be. I never thought I would be, <laughs> right? So then Cities United puts out that they're looking for an executive director, right? So I'm loving what I'm doing at the mayor's office. So this is not even on my radar. Uh, I'm a part of the national planning team for Cities United, and I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But then you look at it, you start saying to yourself, man, this is, you love this mission. Right. And if you don't apply for it and somebody else gets it that you don't think should have it. That's on you. Right. You're yeah. going to be salty, right? So I put my name in the hat, man, and it shook out that I was the one selected to do it, right? So that's <laughs> how I got here, man. And I think part of it is, uh, it's that you know You do the best you can In every role Right And somebody's gonna recognize that Man And help you move And I think you know When you find these purposes And these visions And you know what your goal is You just gotta roll with it Sometime right You gotta do the work Right But you don't have to Carve out the full plan Yeah You gotta be open to the plan But you don't have to be The one dictating How it's all gonna go So it's just been interesting man So you know Been doing this since uh, November uh, Like you said Almost a year Got our national convening out the way. I was excited about that. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's been good. It's been cool. good. Cool, cool, cool. Um, 
that's a lot of information and <laughs> that's that's a that's a, a, a really interesting story because looking at like just looking at the work that that I've seen you do over yeah. the last almost year that's not the story that I that I, that I would have thought I would have been like yeah I graduated first in my class out of high school got an academic scholarship you know um, what what were some of the challenges that you saw coming out of you know coming out of that space and going into um child and into paternity uh Mm -hmm. decision making um into the space of just having that knowing that you were going to affect young black men and boys um what were some of the challenges that you saw in your transition um in different arenas because you know it it sounds like you went from government Mm -hmm. to Nonprofit, mm-hmm. maybe maybe for profit with a social enterprise mm-hmm. to nonprofit work again. What are some things that you? What are some issues that you're seeing in those different arenas in your transition? Yes, and I think it's all the same, man. Because I mean, you know, I so I think a lot of people get systems work kind of confused, right? Mm-hmm. We think the only system is government, right? Uh, nonprofits are the system too, right? They got rules and regulation that hinder, that I think sometimes keep people poor. Uh, so I think, you know, when you work in uh, the transition from when I left child support doing paternity, it's an important gig. Don't get me wrong. Right. Because you're impacting people's lives and families. Right. And I think when you look at and, and who's caught up in the child support system. Right. Poor black and brown folks. Right. So right. it's still our people. Right. But it just wasn't my it wasn't for me. Right. It wasn't what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. Uh, so I think the the. The transition is always, you know, each of those transitions, you have more and more. It's not autonomy, but you have more and more weight, right? You have more and more decision making powers. Yeah. You impact live people's lives on a different level. Right. When I was doing paternity establishment, it was all set up. This is what I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. I found this paper. I found that paper. I send it in. Right. I didn't have no kind of say on what that looked like. Mm. Uh, but as you move into outreach and recruitment right that's on you right you got to be responsible and the, the level of the number of young people whose lives are impacted is based on how much you how hungry you are to do the work right are you right. willing to go to where they are right are you mm-hmm. willing to be on that grind 24 7 and telling young people you got something for them right right we did right we had a it was one of those it was through the department of labor that's when they put this tons of money out of across the country uh-huh. and louisville got like 35 million over five years Sheesh. right it was a lot yeah. of loot right so we wanted to spend it right we wanted to do the right things uh-huh. but i think each 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 level that i went up my leadership it called for me to have a different level of leadership right right so that's always the transition is where do i fit in uh-huh. and how do i make sure that i'm being the best leader that i can be in this work right right uh and I think each level, you know, when you go to each, each one, it calls you to bring new skills out. Uh-huh. But then, you know, but I'm one. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a more of a collaborative kind of leader. Right. But then a lot of people are looking for you to be more of an out front direct leader, and uh-huh. that's not my style. Yeah. And I got to be comfortable in being Both. who I am, uh-huh. and knowing when I got to say, you know, I need you to do shit this way. Yeah. And I are are giving you space <laughs> to figure it out, yeah. right? Uh, so I think that's always been the case, man, is that my level of leadership had to come up each time. Mm. Right. So my transition was it never was I had to be different. It's just I had to bring more with me 
because I always had more responsibilities. Right. Yeah. Let's let's talk about leadership mm-hmm. um, because there's a bunch of different styles of leadership. You Absolutely. Said that there's a dichotomy in the type of leadership that you're expected to have. Um, what are some if, if you're you're let's let's say you're talking to a, a twenty you're you're talking to a twenty three year old about being a leader and and the next steps of his life. Um, what advice do you have for that young man that's stepping into his journey mm-hmm. and wants to be a leader and knows that he wants to be a leader? What are some things that you would want for him to learn and pick up the way? But also, what are some things that you can tell him directly that will affect his his journey in leadership? So it's, a, it's uh, so those different stages. So one. You need to have a, a network around you, right? Mm. You need to have some folks who you can talk to, mm. that you trust, that you listen to, that you know is going to guide you the right way, mm. right? Because I think, you know, at 23, and I'm thinking about me at 23, you know, I was not into old school leaders, so I wasn't asking them questions, yeah, right? So I think sometimes that when we're young, we think we can figure it out, or we think old heads ain't doing it the right <laughs> way, but I think they got a lot to give, right? Right. So one, I would say, get you some mentors and some folks around you who are doing what you want to do. It's not, and when you do mentors and you get mentors, it's not that you're saying I'm gonna do the work the same way you're doing it. What you really are saying is I need your help figuring out who I am as a leader. Mm-hmm. Right at 23, you got a lot of stuff you're still figuring out. Right, right. So you ain't you 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 can lead, but you ain't right at the top of your game. Mm-hmm. Right. So never never think that you you have arrived. Right. Right. I think that's the first thing that I would tell young first is one get you a group of people who can be around you, who can support you, who got your back. Mm-hmm. But then two, always looking for ways to grow, right? And always making sure that you're keeping yourself uncomfortable. Right. Because once you get comfortable and think you got it, is when you're going to actually lose it, right? So making sure. Uh, but then also, you know, understanding that you're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And, and you got to be okay with that and you got to be transparent with that, right? Because I think a lot of times... We make mistakes and we cover them up because we don't want folks to think we can't handle it. Right. And I think sometimes we got to be okay with the mistakes because that's going to help you grow and stuff like that, right? So I think at 23, understanding that you're never, you're not at the top of your game. You got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. You need some folks around you who you trust, who, who will be there for you, who you can call on, who's going to be honest with you. Yeah. Right. Who's going to hold you accountable, but also support you and build you up. Right. Uh, but then also uh, making sure you uh, are consistently finding opportunities to grow and, and stand in uncomfortable situations. That's good. That's good. Um, and in in light of a lot of the recent events mm-hmm. that have been happening in in the U.S. Um, you know, there's a, a long history, long running history of distrust between the African American community and the police department. Absolutely. Um and with with everything, especially with what happened in Chicago after after they killed a young black man, they high five and then coming up with their lie. Mm-hmm. Um what are some things that in dealing in, in this space, what are some things that you would give to Gen Y and Gen Z um, in dealing with just the, the, the trauma that's going on mm-hmm. that we see, whether mm-hmm. we see it directly or whether we see it through our computer screens, phones, um, on the TV. Yeah. Um, how do we deal with the trauma, but also how, are we, how do we become proactive 
in our work to change our change our generation ch- change change the face and change the change the dynamic of of that relationship what what can we do on a ground level and what have you seen work yeah so that's a hard one man and i think you know uh when you start thinking about trauma and how we deal with it uh i think we've got to get to a place as a community where we are actually comfortable with having a therapist comfortable with talking to somebody about what we're going through uh but then again it goes back to that network right making sure that you have a support system making sure that you have people around you that are let you just be at times right because sometimes we don't need to talk about stuff i just need a safe place to go and sit and think about stuff right and i I don't want to do that alone sometimes i want people around me as i do that so i think there's a you know one of the things that uh I got hit up by some young people in Louisville after we had some traumatic stuff going on, and they just asked me, we want to hold a safe space. Where can we do that at? We don't want to go in a church. Right. We just want to go in a place, and we couldn't think of a place, right? So nobody's created a safe place for young black millennials to go and just be. Right. Right? So how do you do that? Mm. Right? So just having a space that's not somebody's crib, nobody's house, but a safe space where people know we can go hang. There's gonna be some food if we want to eat. There's music. There's, it's you know, it's just it's just quiet. I mean, right. it's not quiet, but it's just comfortable mm. and common, right? So I think we need that. Uh, I think you know we got to reconnect with nature, right? I think you know we mm. got to be able to. There's no city that any of us live in that don't have parks, that don't have trails, that don't have places where you can go hike and sit, right? right? So sometimes I think we got to get away from the hustle and bustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think part of the trauma too is that. We want to figure it out so bad uh-huh. that that's stressful, right? We we want to figure it out so bad that it's like, you know, if we can't, then what's going on? So we start having this thing that we start beating ourselves up because we can't figure out how to figure it out. Right. So I think, you know, sometimes being okay with stepping away uh, and, and and not feeling like it's on you to handle and, set, uh, and fix. Uh, but, you know, and I think also finding your spirituality, right? It's not that you mm-hmm. got to go to church, but there is a spirituality that we're all connected to a creator. Absolutely. And how do you have that conversation? You know, because I'm in this place right now, truth be told, what's is happening too much for me not to question my God to say, mm-hmm. why is this the, this happening for this long? Right. Right? Because, you know, this ain't just happen, started happening with Trayvon. Right. It's called Emmett Till. It goes back to, you know, it goes back mm-hmm. to the slave ships. Right. Right? So why do we got to put up with this so long? Why do we have to wait mm-hmm. for heaven? Right? Yeah. So those are my questions right now. And, you know, people look at me crazy because I'm kind of, I'm consistently questioning God, asking him, man, what's going on? Right. Right? Why do, why, why does this keep happening to the same people over and over uh, and over again. Right. I ain't losing faith and trust, but I got questions. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So I think you know, but you know, but you got to be in a space where you can have that. Uh, so I think, and I don't know, man. There's not too many spaces and places where relationships are really working with police, right? Because I think there's mm. just too much frustration. Yeah. Right. I think individually, there's some police relationships because again, there's a lot of brothers and sisters serving on the force that looks like us, that are a part of our families, mm-hmm. and we got relationships there. But if you were to ask me what city's doing it right, <laughs> I think they all are trying. Yeah. There, there's some that are trying hard. Boston's mm-hmm. trying. Uh, no, I know Louis, Mayor's Louisville and his police chief are doing implicit bias training. They're doing the things. Right. But 
man, that's a hard, that's a culture mm. inside that's hard to break, right? You know, right. we were talking to Mayor Rice, former mayor here of Seattle, and he was like, that was one of the hardest cultures for him to try to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they're trying to protect themselves, right? right. They they come in, they put these badges and uh, bulletproof vests on, and they think everybody's against them, mm. right? Yeah. And if you come out the if you come out like that, especially if you you've been conditioned to see black men as aggressive, mm. always going to pull a gun on you, and you need to be prepared. It's hard, man. So I don't think nobody's getting it right, man. I think people are trying. Right. I think there's a lot of initiative. I love what Campaign Zero is doing. I love what Black Lives Matters are doing with their new platform. Uh, but it's going to be a minute. It's going to be a minute, man. And I don't know. Uh, I don't watch the videos no more, man. Unless that just comes on when I'm on watching TV and I can't turn fast enough. Yeah. Because I can't do no more. Right. Right. Com- I completely understand. It's and rough. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't do no more, man. I'm going to tell you what's even. It ain't even what's it, but the, the, one of the traumas that we don't talk about as a community, right? Mm. So that's trauma. Yeah. Watching that and seeing that and thinking you're next, the nervousness when you get a cop behind you, the the anxiousness, that all of that stuff that we feel, right? That, mm. that, that messes with our whole psyche all the time. Yeah. So in my job at the mayor's office, right, one of the things that I did, I didn't have to do, that I did, is that you show up at funerals, right, of young people who have been killed in your streets, right? Mm. Uh, and you go to these funerals and you talk about young people, 16 year olds dying in your streets and then their friends and their family that's around them. Right. I went to a funeral for a 16 year old girl packed. And I can guarantee you, Jay, 70 percent of the people there were under the age of 24. Mm. Right. And the, and the, and the sadness, the crying, the, the all of that's there. There's nobody there to help counsel that. Right. There's nobody there to help support that, right? So, you know, when we talk about trauma in our community, right, it's, it's, it's police shootings bring a different kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. But the day-to-day shootings and violence also has a level of trauma that we need to have a conversation about right. that we need to put some support around. So what I start saying to people in Louisville, we need grown folks at these funerals. Yeah. Just support hugging, these kids. Just hugging, just hugging. And, loving, hugging and loving. Yeah. And just saying I'm here, mm-hmm. right? And then when they go back to school, somebody needs to be there at the school. Yeah. When they go back into the neighborhood, somebody needs to be in the neighborhood. And we've been disconnected, mm-hmm. right? Even those of us who look like our folks have been disconnected, right? So we got to figure a lot of that stuff out, man. So it's just uh, so I can't give you no examples of mm-hmm. who's getting it right, but I do have a lot of hope because of what people are trying that we're going to get some of this stuff right. 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 So. Okay, um, I want to take a step back a little bit and and go to a subject that we were talking about a little bit earlier and credibility. Okay, um, just so that the people who are listening can kind of get a feel of the space that you're coming from. What exactly is Cities United, and what exactly does it do? Yeah, thank you, man. So Cities United is a national mayor-led initiative, right? Mm. Uh, it was founded under the uh, leadership of the Mayor Nutter, who was the former mayor of a uh, Philadelphia Mayor Landrews out of New Orleans, Dr. William Bell uh, from Casey Family Programs, Sean Dove, yeah, <laughs> it's the man, right? Uh, Sean Dove from the campaign from Black Mill Achievement, and then our good friends over at National League of Cities, right? So they all came together and said, "What can mayors do mm-hmm. from their position 
to start really looking at this issue of homicide rates of African-American men and boys, right? Right. Uh, and the reason we start with mayors, right, is that they're CEO of their city. Mm-hmm. They have uh, convening power. They have budgetary power. Mm-hmm. They have policy power. For sure. Right? So they can change a system in those four years that can have a huge impact on what kind of outcomes our young black men and boys have. Uh, but we also say to the mayors too, you need a team to help you do this, right? Right. You need your police chief on board. Mm-hmm. You need your uh, your health department on board. You need your school system on board. Mm-hmm. But most important, you need young people who are most impacted by violence on your team. Definitely having a conversation with you about this work, right? So right now we're at 86 mayors all over the country, and we're working with mayors to put together plans and strategies to reduce the homicide rate of African American men and boys by 50 percent by the year 2025. Mm-hmm. So we got a huge goal that we're really moving forward, but we believe it can be done. Absolutely. Right. You know, one of the things we do know about this country, you know, you know what is good and it's bad is that when it decides to do something, it does something well, right. If, sure. if, if it's a priority. Yeah. Right. So think about uh, and, you know, we it's never about a compare and contrast of pitting two things together against each other. But think about what happened when uh, 9-11 hit. Mm-hmm. Right. TSA. All the money that we put in there, mm-hmm. right? And then just here recently, we were all kind of pissed off because we were waiting in line too long at the TSA. Yeah. So they put all this money in to hire 700 new people. Right. Right? Because it's a priority to people in America to get in and out of lines, <laughs> right? But also be safe. Right. So why would we not do that same thing for our young men and boys? Mm. Right? We just put uh, $1.3 billion for Zika. Mm. Right? And even though there's a new disease every every summer, right? Every summer there's a new disease. And even though that new Zika is hitting, but we you we lose fourteen young men to gun violence every day, right? And that's been happening for years. Mm-hmm. Cities United has been around since 2011, right? And this is when we started having this data at 2011, saying fourteen young men every day, and nobody gave us 1.4 billion dollars mm-hmm. and said go solve this to keep these young men alive, right? But let that shit happen in Miami, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a different ballgame. So we're really trying to make sure that people are aware of this issue. Mm-hmm. We're, we're drumming and we're beating the drum. We're saying we need cities to be thinking about young men between the ages of 14 and 24 because we know those are the ones we lose most to homicide. Mm-hmm. We need you to be real intentional about your programs. We need you to pay attention to who uh, is most likely to be the perpetrator of a homicide or the victim of a homicide. And we need you all to really be paying attention to what their outcomes look like. But it's this is also about family, right? These young men are connected to families. Yeah. Right? So we need you to be making sure that their family's okay and that the communities that they live in are okay, right? They got to be safe and healthy, too. So that's what Cities United really is. Mayor-led initiative, working with mayors and, and having mayors work with their communities to really keep our young men and boys alive so they can find their purpose, mm. so they can live out their dreams. Uh, and so we as a country can have better outcomes. Yeah. Right. Because we're assets, man. We, 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 if you, if you allow me to live out my vision and dream, I'm going to produce for this country just like everybody else. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's really good. I've seen, and well, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about the, uh, the convening that we had in May. Absolutely. Um, an incredible sight. Um, to see 300 plus people come together <laughs> around a similar vision um, and seeing that same goal of 
of reducing gun violence in the African-American community, specifically for African-American men. Um, and all of the th- all of the strategies that that came out um, and that are shared, um, I think it's really interesting seeing seeing how they work in different areas. What are some of your favorite um, strategies that have come out that that you have seen kind of maybe not work across the board, but in different in different situations and, and in different cities? Um, what has been some of your favorite strategies used? So, right, uh, and, you know, Cities United is not one for recreating the wheel, right? right. So we, we see some stuff that's working, mm-hmm. and we, we use what's best practices, right? So right. one of the things that I think all cities should look into when they're talking about reducing shootings and homicides of African-American men and boys is the hospital-based uh, intervention strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And what it is, right, you have a team of people who work. So you come to the hospital with a shooting wound, there's a team of folks that are ready to have a conversation with you about one. Hey, Jay, we know you. you whatever ended you up in this bed, we want to help you get out of that lifestyle. Yeah. Right. We got uh, we've got a counselor here in the hospital that wants to start the conversation with you. Mm-hmm. But all oh, by the way, we've got a group of young people, uh, young men and women, who have been in the same boat that you have, who have turned their life around, who are going to work with you when you get out. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that right. there's this long term strategy that you're putting in place, and you're saying. This is a moment of what you want to call it, right? So this is a this is a this is a crisis intervention, right? I got you while you at a place where you've been hit, right? You shot, you're gonna make it, yeah. But what do you want to do, right? And what this what this system really does at one, it uh it it um interrupts this cycle of violence, right? So we we get to calm you down, we get to squash some of the beef, we get to say to you, there's an opportunity for you to do something different. Let us help you figure it out. Yeah. And we get to bring in some peer folks who can be your support group, right? Who's going to help you walk through this process, right? So mm-hmm. we hope reta- there's no retaliation. We get to help squash some of it because, you know, when families come into an emergency room after somebody's been shot, it's, it's a bunch of tension. And we get yeah. to calm some of that down because they got folks who look like them, who know them, mm-hmm. who's trying to have a conversation with them. So I think that's one of the best strategies that is some, that, that's out there yeah. that people know. But that's an intervention strategy. And mm-hmm. it's an intervention strategy when somebody's been hit. Yeah. Right. So it's not like. But you want to get there before you stop it, right? So, and I also think what they're doing in uh, Philly's got this program called Power Core, mm-hmm. and I think Power Core is something that everybody across the country should look at too, right? It's a different way to think about how you use your AmeriCorps dollars. Right. Uh, so, what they do is they take young men and women who have spent time in in, in jail and prisons who are coming back in home, put them on this uh, AmeriCorps process for nine months, give them skills, and give them job that really helped the city like they're they're working in parks and recreation yeah. they're working in all of these places that really help water and all of that mm-hmm. and then if you do well you can transition into like a full-time city gig yeah right and we both know and i think you know the the uh the the data will prove that if you give people real jobs with real wages that can sustain a family mm-hmm. you can stop a whole lot of this mess on the street right because people really are just trying to eat Right, mm-hmm. so if you have real opportunities and real jobs, so I think that's a process, a uh, program that works, and you know, and also think you know, uh, one of the things every city and every plan that you put together should have an outreach team. Yeah, you should have a team of folks who's committed and about it, who's not afraid to go to the barbershops, who's not afraid to go to the corners, who's not afraid to 
go to where the young people are, right? Because these young men ain't coming to the community centers. Yeah. They're not coming to public meetings, mm. right? So you got to go to where they are, right? Yeah. And when you go, you got to have what's what they need, mm-hmm. right? So you got to be able to work within the system that says, okay, you're looking for a job. I know where that job is. And that job actually really be, it's really there. Yeah. Right? So there's got to be some folks who are savvy enough to be on the streets and be on the corners and get these guys' attention, but then also know how to work these systems to make sure jobs and uh, educational opportunities are there, right? So, you know, Boston's got a great outreach team. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's got a great outreach team. Oakland. Uh, and then Oakland, actually, and not Oakland, Richmond has this program, man. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> so it's one of those programs where people say you're actually paying people not to shoot somebody. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, here's what it is, man, is you find young people who would be shooters mm-hmm. and say to them, join this program. It's like a stipend program, right? You join it. And the, and the longer you stay in, the more stipends you get per month, right? And you're yeah. doing stuff. You're learning. You're getting new skills and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's like they're going to pay you forever not to yeah, shoot, yeah. right? But it really is to say, let's pull you off the street yeah. and put some money in your pocket but also mm-hmm. give you an opportunity and a dream, yeah, right. So that you got this vision and you see it. Uh, so that's those kind of things like that, man. But I think people, cities, just got to be a little bit more innovative on in how they do stuff mm-hmm. and more thoughtful about how they put stuff in action uh, because you can't just do the same old stuff anymore, right? So, yeah. but those are a couple that I would throw out that I think are good mm-hmm. and working. But in any city that has a strong youth voice. Uh, and a youth voice that's like committed to and connected to the mayor. Yeah. Uh, and the mayor is around young people who are connected to the street, helps the mayor and the team inform their work. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, but that's hard for cities. <laughs> but you got to push cities and say, look, you got to have these young people with you. So mm-hmm. that's why I would throw out for that. Cool. Um, one of the things that you kind of mentioned. Um, and I want to go in on that as well, um, is community organizing. Absolutely. Um, what are some good strategies that you've seen in, as far as community organizing around the issue of young black men and boys? So, uh, you know, for me, so community organizing is relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You can't organize a community if you're not building relationships, <laughs> right? So, I for mean, sure. it's, just that, it's just that simple. Yeah. Right? So, uh, as when and I, 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 with organizers and community organizing, I think you've got to spend the time developing those relationships before you try to move people to action, right? Right. I move them to something, right? So for me, it's about how often you show up, how you show up, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and what you're bringing when you show up. Yeah. Right. So for me, it's always authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm never changing who I am if I've got a suit on. I'm coming in my suit, right? If yeah. I wear suits, I wear suits. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, when I first started working for the mayor's office, people always told me, you can't build relationships in those suits. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I've been doing this for 20 years, and kids <laughs> have never not talked to me because I got a suit on. Yeah. They don't talk to me based on how I come at them. Mm-hmm. Now, up front, they might look at me and say, oh, he's square because he got a suit on. But if you're genuine and you're just being who you are, yeah, I ain't trying to be you. you I'm not trying to ask you to be me. I'm meeting you where you are, mm-hmm. and I'm asking for the same respect, man. So I think uh, for me, like, again, it's, it's there, you cannot do organizing without building relationships. Right, so you your your first thing is, is let me get to know you and let you get let me get let let me let you know me, 
then we'll start talking about other stuff, right? Yeah. What a lot of people want to do is go in and start telling people what they should do. We got this thing. Uh, and that that's not how you build community. Right. Right. And I think, you know, uh, people got to be real clear about what community organizing is. It's about creating a space where you can share information with people and allow them to do what they're going to do with that information, right? Because mm. for me, what I see a lot across the country when they, people talk about organizing, community organizing, we're going out telling people what we need them to be a part of yeah, and what we need them to be against. And for me, it's about putting as much information in front of them so that they can make their own decision. Community organizing is about empowering the people to do what they need to do for themselves. Exactly. That's it, yeah. right? So I think, you know... The folk, there's a group of folks in uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. I think it's called New Era Detroit, mm-hmm. E-R-E-R-A, uh, New Era Detroit. And it's an amazing organization, right? It seems like for me, from what I'm looking from afar, mm-hmm. that they do these biweekly walks in neighborhoods. And what they're saying is they put out this 10-point plan, right? And what it said is to folks in my community, I know some of y'all sell dope, man, but these are things you can't do, Yeah. right? No more drive-bys. No yeah. more shootouts when our babies are on the street. Yeah. Let our elders be, right? Yeah. And then they're holding people accountable, right? So, you know, they are walking through the streets every, like I said, every two weeks. Every Sunday, they do this cash mob. Uh-huh. They pick a black organization, a black business, uh-huh. and they blast it out to all their friends and say, this is where we're going to go spend our money this Sunday. Yeah. Right? So they get an infusion of cash that Sunday at that, at that, at that company. But they're also, they did this amazing thing this year to me. They said, there's fit, we want 15,000 people to sign up with us. Mm-hmm. And all 15,000 of us are going to agree to vote local for these local folks. Mm-hmm. And these are, the, these are the folks who we're all going to vote for because we know that 15,000 votes would get them in office. Yeah. That's power. Absolutely. And they, they, they vetted each person running for office, mm-hmm. they ain't even talking about state and, well, they might be talking about state, but they ain't talking about federal. Yeah. They're talking about local. Because that's who, that's who impacts you the most. Right. Yeah. And they, and now they put out their recommendations. Mm-hmm. And now these 1,500, 15,000 people who signed up, they know who to vote for based on what they believe in. Yeah. And I've just, I've just been watching them, man, on, on Instagram and on Twitter and on their website. Mm-hmm. They sell T-shirts. They got, they do uh, concerts. They uh, make sure that the women have a voice. They make sure the kids have a voice. They're in schools. Uh, I think they even got tennis shoes, man. Right? <laughs> I mean, so I mean, they're grinding that hard, right, to the point where they're like, we need to create our own revenue to keep this going, and this is how we're gonna do it. So, man. It's just that, so those things like that, right? And so I think that's what community organizing really looks like and needs to be is that it's got to come from the ground up. Yeah. Right? And how do you, as an organizer, create that space mm-hmm. for that to happen? Yeah, that's dope. Um, man, I, this is all this information I got to process it for myself. <laughs> um, how can people stay connected with you and how can people connect with Cities United? Man, it's just, so it's number of ways. Cities United is uh, you can go to our website, citiesunited.org. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at Cities United. 
uh, we're, I think that's the only social media we do, right? Because I'm a Twitter fan, so I don't do the rest of it. I, I like Instagram, but I, I don't do it. And then, you know, uh, they can catch me on there. Uh, my email is Anthony at Cities United. I'm on Twitter as uh, ANTS012391269. ANTS012369. That's the same on Twitter. I mean, on Instagram. Uh, and, you know, and we just you know we just grind man if you hit us up on our website there's an info line if you if you send me a note there i'll get that that comes straight to my phone and we'll make sure that we get back with you uh but you know we just want to be we just want to be connected and keep it moving man so we're always available cool yeah um one more question before i close out absolutely um how are you impacting young leaders and empowering young leaders to go out and continue to do the work and and, and pick up the torch where and not even pick up the torch but but get a piece of holding the torch so that they can get a grip of it mm-hmm. so that as 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 the older generations begin to let it go they they're already accustomed to holding it um how are you empowering young leaders in that aspect to do this work yeah so i think that's uh that's a key part of my my life mission right i don't do mm-hmm. Any work that I do is always creating space for young people to lead, be at the table, mm-hmm. guide the work, and all of that stuff right there. So Cities United, part of our mission right now is we are just finishing up uh, with a group of young people, uh, what we call our summer leadership retreat. So we brought about 11 young people to to Seattle uh, to spend time. Uh, so we're going to continue to do things like that, right? So we're going to make sure that there's that. And then just ask young people what they need and what they want, right? And how they want to be engaged in the space and making room for that. And one of the things I think I said earlier is that we really push our mayors to create space for you all in your in your city to lead and guide the work. So we're always working on that end as well. Uh, but yeah, like I said, for me, man, I do not do any room, uh, any work without making sure that I'm working with young people. Uh, so for me, that's where I get my energy. That's where I get, uh, you know, ideas from. And that's where I also know, you know, I got to create that space for you all to uh, take this over uh, with, while we're here or when we leave. Right. You don't have to wait for us to be gone before you take it over. Uh, but we just want to make sure that we're real clear that uh, the youth voice is very important to us. And we're going to do whatever we can to make that space. So we're consistently looking for different opportunities to do that. And as you talked about the Birmingham uh uh, convening uh, when we did the convening in Birmingham, we had young people everywhere at that convening. Right, we made sure that they were on the stage, that they were running the stage, that they were emceeing, they were leading workshops. And you know, we don't do that on the humble, right? So if you're coming and working, then we're gonna make sure we pay you for your time and services, just like we pay anybody else, man. So for us, that's what it is, right? We're we're breaking down the doors and saying young people are coming with us. Yeah. Amen. It was a pleasure having you on. I appreciate um, it, man. You know, it's always great to talk to you. I'll definitely keep in touch. Uh, all our listeners on Common Ground Podcast, make sure you check out Cities United. Check out the great work that we're doing. And um, until next time, peace. Peace. This is good stuff.